May BFF brings you the first Friday event of the year. Benson is in full summer mode with the beginning of BFF's Summer Street Series and a packed schedule of events. You won't want to miss this art crawl. Join BFF Friday, May 3rd for the first installment of the Summer Street Series. BFF will close off Military Avenue to set up an artist market featuring over 60 local artists, makers, and vendors. Don't miss an on-street DJ, live performers, and artists, the new American food tent pop-up, and more. Benson First Friday doesn't exist without your support. See you there. And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I am Tom Noblock. We're recording this on Earth Day, so, you know, instead of uh, sitting outside and enjoying the Earth, we are in a windowless office, which is our studio. I'm not complaining about the fact that we have a studio. That's kind of cool. But, I mean, it's a little outdated, and I probably should have done this before, but I think the fact that it is Earth Day probably deserves a little bit of attention. Um... I think Earth Day matters, not necessarily in like a pagan, pantheistic way, but in the sense that I don't think this show is necessarily like overtly political, but if there's one thing, if there's one hill I'm going to die on, it's probably going to be the fact that I think we should value the planet that we live on. And I clearly do care about that. Uh, if you follow the work that Ben and I have done, you probably noticed that I've made two different movies that have extended sequences where people try to figure out how to compost. Um, Green on Green is sort of like an ode to the environmentalist idea and sort of grappling with the idea that we don't really, uh, we're okay with sort of destroying everything we have. And why, why should that be is a question that I've never really come up with an answer to. And you know, Earth Day is a time where you don't have to you don't have to make yourself feel bad, but I think what you can do and what you should do in general, and people are bad at it, I'm not the best at it either, but I, I'm trying to be good at it. I'm trying to be better at it all the time. But, you know, like, I think you just need to appreciate what's around you, notice what's around you, and think about, is every choice I'm making helping what's around me? Is it hurting? Can I still have the same level of enjoyment in my life without hurting things around me? And that comes down to just, you know, maybe you don't need a plastic straw. Maybe you can, uh, you know, get a growler or something instead of buying uh, a bunch of things that now need to be recycled. You can, there's just all these little choices. And it always, I think, comes back to just like once you're living really deliberately, uh, it's easier to do that. And I want to read just before I get into this. First off, I guess I should, I should plug who's on the show today, right? So. We have two guests talking. Actually, it kind of tied together. I wasn't sure if it would, but I knew I wanted to mention something about Earth Day. And we did two shows today, so I wasn't sure which one was going to win this week. But the show ends up kind of touching on some uh, pagan mysticism. And even though I already said that's not what I'm talking about, it is kind of where the conversation goes. So I'm just going to lump those two together and say that they work. Today's show is a conversation with Jason Miller and Sarah Heinrichs of Fish Eye Kombucha. And I always was saying kombucha for a while, so if you've listened to other shows I've done and I say kombucha, apparently I'm wrong and dumb, so I'm sorry about that. But uh, they talk about their business, which is a local kombucha business. Com oh, man, now I, now I jinx myself. A local kombucha business. Uh, in fact, the first kombucha business in Nebraska, it sounds like from the way they talked that there might only be two. They were the first ones. And they had to literally explain to the state what kombucha is. And uh, now they tell the story of how they got there. And I didn't even really know the mystical elements of kombucha, but they talk about things like like mother. They put a little bit of mother in every one of them. Um, you know, and that's that sounds more creepy, actually, than just like pagan. It, it, it comes from the fermentation. It's not like uh, 
It's not like Psycho. You know, boy's best kombucha is his mother. Um, but anyway, so it's Earth Day. And it's not Earth Day when you listen to this, but I hope you did at least take a second and think about the fact that it's Earth Day. I hope you tried to appreciate what's around you, notice the animals around you, you know, notice the things even in your backyard. Uh, I've recently decided that I'm going to build a pond in my backyard because I want all the animals back there to be able to, to drink water. Uh, I got obsessed with uh, like bird houses. I have a bird bath. And as I was filling my bird bath one day, this bunny ran up to me and it looked at me like it wanted some of the water, but it couldn't reach it. And it made me, it broke my heart a little bit. And so I resolved, okay, I got to build a pond, I guess. And so, in fact, uh, yesterday I was talking to my dad and I was telling him I'm going to build a pond. And he tells me, uh, you know, oh, you should tell me how that goes because there's these bunnies in my backyard and they're, I think I think they need water back there. And I realized like, oh, okay, I guess we're the same person now. And so it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't grown up with, I, I wasn't raised necessarily with this environmentalist uh, passion, but it's like, once you start to notice things, there's this trickle down effect. And one last thing I want to say about it before we get to the conversation is um, because it was Easter, uh, I was thinking of a couple things. And so one was I just had read recently the final Kurt Vonnegut book, A Man Without a Country. And he's got this poem at the end. I think it's called An Elegy for Planet Earth. And I thought that it brings together the imagery of Easter with the basically kind of part of the takeaway of what you don't want to happen, maybe the things you need to confront a little bit on Earth Day. And so I just want to read this poem. It's the final poem Kurt Vonnegut ever wrote. And I think it, it gets its point across, and I don't really need to editorialize much beyond it. So it's an elegy for planet Earth by Kurt Vonnegut. The crucified planet Earth, should it find a voice and a sense of irony, might now well say of our abuse of it, Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. The irony would be that we know what we are doing. When the last living thing has died on account of us, how poetical it would be if Earth could say, in a voice floating up perhaps from the floor of the Grand Canyon, it is done. People did not like it here. That's my reflection on Earth Day. That's what I was thinking about. So I just wanted to share that. So I hope you had a good Earth Day. I hope things are going well in general. So, all right. Now we're going to talk something that's a little uh, less depressing uh, and a little bit more mythical. Uh, mystical. There's all these crazy things with mother, kombucha, all that. We got a little politics, a little mythology, a little history, and all kinds of local businesses involved in this one. So this is my conversation with the people who make kombucha, fish eye kombucha. So please enjoy. I feel like I should confess I'm really uh, completely ignorant of kombucha in so many ways. I had someone tell me a couple months ago, you say kombucha, and I saw I was saying that, and everyone t- tells me I'm, I'm dumb, basically. Is, is there any, uh, it, what is the correct way to say it? Let's start with that. Um, you're not the only dumb one, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> no, no, actually, there's, it's kombucha as far as, as you would I'm know concerned. Before, you would know, But right? people say, I've heard it said at least 10 different ways. What are the other ways? Kumbacha, um, kombuka, kambaka. um, Where does the word come from? No one really knows. That's the thing with kombucha is it's it's kind of actually a mystery. Like it, it, like there's 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 legends and there's like stories, but uh, and it might have just been a mistake too. Like that's one of the stories is that like they named it after a doctor kombu who wasn't even using kombucha or something yeah i don't know and he was actually making a different kind of tea there's like there's there's a a billion different stories that are out there which makes it just even cooler because there's really no one that you know you could say invented it nobody even knows where it came from they think 
most likely like China, you know, Asia and parts of Russia maybe are the earliest mentions of it. Um, but what are those legends like? What, what's a kombucha legend sound like? I, re- I read one at a, a little symposium we had, and it was about a a Chinese merchant who was brewing. He was fermenting wine, and he was washing also like a. a a jar that had honey in it. So he splashed some honey water into the wine, but he was lazy and didn't want to clean it up or didn't want to dump out the wine that was fermenting. So he just put a cover over it and forgot about it for a couple weeks. So then everybody was wondering what that kind of sweet smell was. They took the cover off the wine. Lo and behold, it had like this film over the top of it. They're like, hey, let's try it. And they really liked it. So the next time he did it he went to do his wine he threw a little honey water in it and it just kept growing and growing and growing and those people i feel like you gotta be really brave to just have basically not wanted to do the dishes let something yeah. ferment <laughs> yeah and then be like let's try it yeah. let's try it and then give it to your friends and be like hey this is weird but here try it which is what we do people were a lot more adventurous back then which is the only reason why we discovered half this stuff adventurous and lazy probably at the <laughs> same time so you know well, that's what they say about most like whether it's wine whether it's beers it's basically it's like somebody just either didn't clean something or something fermented on its own and they were like hey okay i'll just try it yeah. I think it's crazy. But and the trick is to get it to like to recreate it and yeah. actually make it into something that you can do over and over and over, not just a happy accident. Right. Well, you can always just not clean up and see sure. what happens, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> when, did, when did you guys uh, get into Kombuka? Um, well, Sarah has a little bit more of a history in it than me, and I'll let her, let her get to that. But mine was just, I. it was probably, I don't know, when I started seeing it at Whole Foods. And I started buying GT's kombucha and I was like, wow, that's like, there's not as much sugar as soda. And then I'm like, what is this? And I taste and the first one I had, I was just like blown away. Like just, I was just like, wow, this is like the craziest, most exciting beverage I've had in a long time. And then I started loving it so much that I was buying so much of it that eventually I tried to make my own and I totally did not do well. Um, and then I met her who's got a little bit more of a history with, with kombucha. Right. My sister was living in Australia and when she came back to the States, she had me try again it was like a gt's kombucha she's like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing and i'm gonna try to make it and i was like okay like do whatever you want so she brewed herself for years and we tried to do different things with it different fruits different teas and then she was gonna leave the country again and said hey while you're staying at my house you have to take care of the the vessel the kombucha the mother all that so i had to learn to brew on my own and then i just started doing my own thing and when i moved here to omaha about six years ago brought everything with me still kept brewing ran into him randomly um just started talking about fermented things and beer and kombucha came up and he didn't know how to brew i did so we decided to i decided to teach him and i haven't been able we just like started a business out of it right when you say the mother uh what does that mean? yeah we didn't bring that because it's such a visual thing and it's hard to describe but the the mother the cool thing about kombucha is it's got bacteria and yeast and those they like form this pancake over the top of the vessel to seal in the natural carbonation and it's cellulose i mean it's it looks like a white skin type <laughs> pancake a white really gross it's, it's, it, it feels it looks as gross as it sounds actually. it's it's gelatinous it's, thick, it's gelatinous of. we've actually ate eaten it yeah, it's just like to try chewy, it. Chew, like a, the worst. Like it's 
the yeah, thing. Yeah, did take you bring up a picture? Oh, okay, yeah. So it does look, I guess, that is what I would expect if I just like left something out uh, and it did ferment right. or something. Like, but it yeah. ferments like really solidly and it's not just like pockets of like mold. But How it, hard like, is it? It's not. It's squishy. It okay. could be anything from like just to get gross again. <laughs> it feels like you know, like, like a used condom, or like maybe as thick as like a like a piece of rubber. Maybe that's yeah. about okay. you know that's All about right. as solid as it's not as solid as like tire rubber, but like yeah. It's, it's Does got it smell bad? Yeah, but yeah. just in a way that like vinegar things <laughs> smell like things that are rotting. <laughs> so it's sort of, you should have smelled my basement after we had like fifty gallons of kombucha <laughs> brewing in it. That was so that was nice. And you guys were the brave adventurous people who were like, well, let's just eat it. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we saw other people doing it, and we're like, you know, well, all the cool kombucha people eat the shell. But so like the legend, like this is this goes back to kind of the whole like you know like for the longest time people have been making this, but nobody is really you know had anything done scientifically no until just recently or nobody has even known what why it works or anything you know for like thousands of years supposedly and it, even coming going to like the 90s and like all these hippie home brewers would start doing it and they were they were making it a lot like and you know california's always been huge for homemade kombucha and so everybody thought that you needed th that this thing that was formed every time you made it the mother the scoby symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast i mean that term wasn't even coined until like the mid 90s online like it really the internet has kind of spawned this new like kombucha revolution just like it has with you know a billion other things and so um it turns out though that the more you look into it the mother isn't is more like the child really in the end so it's like you need kombucha to make kombucha and every time you make kombucha one of these scobies is formed and then the thought was that you need to take that and then pass that along now the jury's still out whether you really need it but evidence and just personal experience has shown that we can make kombucha with kombucha without having a mother we don't need the scoby the mother is in the liquid like that culture is in the liquid itself which has uh, changed the way people have looked at kombucha, especially recently. And just because there's, you know, a whole bunch of people like us that are just doing this, you know, and learning as we go um, with, you know, help from some, some labs that we've worked with and just help from just other kombucha brewers. And we're just sort of figuring this stuff out, you know, like, I mean, I never learned anything as much as like when we got together on a big Facebook kombucha brewers forum, you know, and then all of a sudden we were all like, hey, guess what? Nobody really knows anything. This is crazy. Now, have you figured this out? You know, and it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's like night and day that where it was even when we first started just brewing in our basement, really. Well, when you say mother, it does sound like there's this sacred element, this like yeah. ritualistic part of the whole thing. And that's the and that was the neat, um, you know, the neat part of the story is is that you did brew it and you did give it to your friends and you did share what you were doing with everybody, and that's how it's gotten passed down. So you know, we'd like to think that, you know, our lineage for our kombucha could be traced back. A lot of people are doing DNA testing to see where their kombucha came from, where their mother came from. How, what, you can test that? Yeah, apparently. Absolutely. How does that work? Because <laughs> it's all I'm bacteria sure it's super and yeast, expensive. so it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess then there is, yeah, like you said, DNA sequencing of that. I don't, I don't really know, but because it's a fermented food, like anything that's fermented like in a local it's area, I mean, not only is it alive, but it takes on the local flora in the air, you know, mm -hmm. the local bacteria and, and yeast. Whereas, you know, just like if you're making like, uh, you know, sour beers, like sour beers going to taste different, probably d based on where you're, you know, you're making it. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I'm not too familiar with that. That's that whole fermentation. But as far as like kombucha goes and uh, other ferments like that that are open air, I mean, you can, you know, you're getting things local, so like you're actually putting those local. Maybe I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not, this. I can't say this according to the FDA. But maybe there's like probiotics in there, and there's uh, low, you know, beneficial bacteria and acids that are 
beneficial because they're from the environment that you're in. And so I think with anything, you know, a local is always better, but especially with fermented foods, like if you're not going to do it at home, the more local you can get probably is better for you. But I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, it's a cool legend. I was like, it's a cool story. Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's one of the things I was curious because like there aren't a whole lot of drinks that we have all these like legends and all these yeah. all this uh, specific. I don't know. Like the tone with kombucha just seems different than it is with other drinks. I don't really know why that is. It's like. Uh, I think it is because it's so mysterious, because not a lot of people know what it is. I mean, we we still find people every day. They're like, what is it? What? I've never even heard of this. I've never even tried it. And that to us is crazy because we've totally gone down the rabbit hole for the last three years, learning as much as we possibly can about this mysterious thing. But because of those origins, just like it's kind of like, you know, like yoga, you know, like 20 years ago, yoga was a joke as far as like it was a joke you made about hippies or whatever you know like and, but you know now everybody you know everybody's mother's doing yoga mm-hmm. and so it's like it's it's i think it's one of those things it started in, in shrouded in mystery and of actually have like helping people um you know and we can get to the help elements, but that's all you know anecdotal really in the end um but when people when people drink something they like it they think it works and does things for them then they pass it along and then it just works by word of mouth and anecdotal evidence like that's that's kind of the best way to get involved with something. It says something getting marketed to you. Like, this is why this does. No, no. Well, this is does this because this is, I don't know, that's what my grandma said it did, and then this is what her grandma said it did, and I don't know. Um, you know, so I think there's a, I do like that mystery behind it. Um, but I also, from, uh, you know, an aspect of trying to make this as a business, I want to know more about the science of it and what real what is real and what's not. I always tell everybody, everything I ever knew about kombucha was 100% right and 100% wrong. That's like what I always say. <laughs> like everything is like because like, like it's it's such a di- like day by day you know kombucha by kombucha it's who knows <laughs> it it's a mixture of different. science and mysticism yeah and yeah. you never really know what the truth actually is yeah I think that happens a lot in life <laughs> right? I don't know it's cool though I mean to have a drink that does that to be able to make it you're part of the mystic tradition now yeah you, know? you want to try some I would love to try some I've never tried kombucha I don't what think items did you bring um, this is this first one will be mango. And so uh, all three of these that I brought for you to try, we make with teas uh, from the Teasmith here okay. locally. Yeah. So this is about as local as kombucha can get right here, aside from you doing it in your basement. And a lot of the ones you see Thank on the market are going to have, like, added juices and stuff to them. We try to stay away from, like, adding fruit juices and things like that just because people are so sugar conscious. So we want it to be as low low as we can get it so it's just the yeah, fermented it's the fl- tea it's the just flavored water tea, yeah. flavored tea water <laughs> <laughs> but you'll notice it's you know it's fizzy and it's slightly mm-hmm. acidic slightly sweet yeah. and you can tell it's fermented right i mean it's like a sour beer maybe but it's not alcoholic I like this a lot more than any sour beer i've ever had honestly i don't know <laughs> the sou- maybe i haven't had a good sour beer but i feel like uh this has got maybe a slight sour hint, but it's not like hard to drink in the sense. It doesn't feel like I'm eating like a, a sour patch kid. Get you like yeah. in those right, and you parts. can get there. I mean, you, you you ferment this stuff long enough, it could get there. Um, it, it'll tur- it'll turn into straight vinegar pretty much. Um, yeah, it's good I like can, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's smooth. It's pretty easy to drink. It's sweet, uh, but doesn't have like a sugary sense to it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, what, what was the type of tea? So this one is a mango tea called. I think it? they call it mango madness. Mango madness. Or or mango mayhem. Mango sorry, mayhem. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Tim. Um, but from T. Smith. Okay, so how do you make this then? So 
you decide you like the tea, and then you mm-hmm. think I can do a kombucha out of this. What's yeah. the process? Right. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of it's been a lot of trial and error, um, especially when we were just kind of brewing before it was a business and we were doing it in the basement. We tried a whole bunch of stuff and um, we were always told that, you know, you need it needs to be a caffeinated tea. Um, and, you know, for the most part, most people are just using black. But then we said, well, we can use green and we started using white teas. And we're like, well, why not use a flavored tea? And we spread some, you know, there were definitely some rules. And I don't even know if these are real rules anymore. Like I said, they're just they were like tried and true passed down things that, you know, you don't want to have it with citrus. And there are certain types of tea you didn't want to use with it because it, the oil could affect the culture. And these all might be things. But um, for the most part, we found that we can make it with just about any tea we want as long as it has you know, as long as it's a, ca- it's not an herbal tea. It's just right. a, a caffeinated tea. Um, and I, but I've heard people have success y- making it with with just about anything. The key is you need, I mean, you need you need a tea, but you need sugar, and then um, you need the bacteria. You need that you need that culture. So you basically you need kombucha. It's the chicken and the egg. You know, like wh- what came first? How did kombucha even get here? You know, and they think maybe a bug landed on something and then they drank it. <laughs> Wait, explain that. I don't understand. So that's another one of those. She told you the one about the, like the wine and the and, and the honey. There's they they think that um, you know probably some fermenting tea, some tea left that was left to you know just sit out was uh, like a like a, a fruit fly landed in it and just happened to have the right bacteria on it that it then contributed to that culture and it just so happened to work with that. You know, it's one of those things. It's like. You know, like, why is there an earth? It's like a one in a billion shot, you know? And that's what happened, like, with kombucha. This they, was that's the, what they think, you know? The kombucha like, Big Bang. That's right. probably the kombucha yeah. Big Bang, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it somehow, like, it took a fruit fly. Now fruit flies are the death of us. Like, we hate fruit flies <laughs> in making kombucha because I've never seen something more attracted to fruit flies, or <laughs> more attracted to fruit flies than kombucha. I mean, <laughs> beer's pretty bad, too, but, yeah. Fruit I think it's the <laughs> sugar. I don't know what it is, but they they love it. So what? why does it have to be caffeinated, the tea? Um, well, I mean, they didn't mean to cut you off. Mm. We were drinking. Um, they, they say that, um, it fuels some of the bacteria that's in there. So some of the bacteria that's in the, in the culture, like uses that for fuel to eat. So, um, and that's, you know, I don't know exactly the science behind that, but that's part of it, but it also uses the nitrogen from the tea. Um, and, uh, and then, so basically it's like, it's a two stage fermentation. You're, You're using like, um, at first, you know, you're, you're starting with tea. So let's go back to how we make it, right? We start with tea. Um, we, you know, you boil the tea and then you, you know, we put the sugar in. And like, let's just talk about we're making one gallon. Let's just, you're at home, you're making one gallon of this. You're using about one cup of tea or one cup of sugar, um, a, a gallon of water. You got your jar, you made your tea, and then you put your culture in. And usually I recommend, you know, closer to two cups per gallon, but, uh, you know, about a cup of kombucha. Um, itself and then Did maybe you call a that the mother or what do you so i mean it has become to be known that that's the mother tea. but that's starter tea kind okay. of right, right. if you hear that term starter tea or kombucha tea that's what they're using is already made kombucha um and then you know you throw a little scoby in just in case we do need the mother you know you don't want to mess with tradition that's the mystic yeah, part yeah, of it. yeah you don't yeah. want to mess okay. with tradition yeah. it's kind of a ritual at right. this point and then you um let it sit and what's going on in there is that first stage you know it, there's oxygen in there and so um the yeast can start you know the yeast starts to you know, do its fermenting. And then because of that, the bacteria can start to eat some of those byproducts and it starts to create the SCOBY on the top. So what it does is it eventually it allows the oxygen in, but because it's a two stage, it then gets sealed. So it seals itself in the vessel and then nothing can get in it. 
and then it can start the other stage of fermentation with or without oxygen. And then in that stage, if things get even crazier and, you know, um, the ethanol then is actually converted to acetic acid, which is like, and then some other beneficial acids that actually then lower. So at some point during the process, it has alcohol that, and then it sort of converts the alcohol to, to the beneficial acids. So in the end, it's a, it's, it has alcohol in it, but it's a mildly alcoholic drink. Like our alcohol is considered non-alcoholic. We're under one half of one, you know, one half of uh, 1% alcohol by volume. Which you know we get tested and everything we have to do that and um, and there's ways that you can do it and our, one of the main ways we do it is because we do small batches and I think that's you know I'm not going to give away all our trade secrets oh, but, sure, that's yeah. a, <laughs> but that's a that's kind of a thing so um, the uh, you know we can keep it down but I- even at the most maybe a kombucha can get up to like one and a half percent you leave it in your car for like a week in the sun you know maybe it's going to get up to two and a half but the culture can only get produce so much alcohol so it's only going to ever get to some point so if anybody ever tries to tell you that they got drunk in alcohol uh, on kombucha it's just not going to happen you could drink i mean i've drank gallons in a day and it uh, <laughs> doesn't even affect me as much i mean it's your so, tolerance level it's yeah, just too high yeah, yeah and so that's that's totally a myth it's definitely a non-alcoholic but at the worst it has as much alcohol as like a ripe banana and like you know you're not you know I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they got drunk off a ripe banana, but I'd yeah. love to. I'd love to see that person try to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So what's what's this one we just so got? That for? one is chai. So you've had like chai lattes mm-hmm. and the whole hot tea. This is made with again with the tea smith tea. That's their marsala chai, and then we throw a little extra cinnamon in it. And I always loved hot chai tea, and I was like, cold chai, that sounds really weird. Yeah. But this, I mean, this is fantastic. Everybody seems to really like that. If you like that spicy, that yeah, spicy smooth. Want. Yeah, I mean, that mixture of <laughs> spicy sweet and just the weird chai taste, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, I really like that one, too. And I mean, so this is, I mean, chai is probably an easy sell, right, for anybody. Like, if, if I'd never tried kombucha and I, if I liked chai, this would be an easy one just to drink. It's like, I, it's a recognizable flavor. I guess what was the other one? The, the last, uh, what was the flavor of the last one you had just tried? Mango. 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 I guess mango is pretty recognizable too, though. But yeah, so I mean, like, are, do you find that is it people who love tea who are like the easiest audience to sell this to because it's already kind of like tea, or I don't know. How do I you find that, the audience? I think for that it? parallel is there because we, sure. you know, there are some of the the places that we sell at, you know, like the Tea Smith that, you know, their customer base. You know, obviously, is tea based. Um, it's in coffee shops, health health benefit, like health food stores, things like that. Sell a lot of kombucha. I think, I think it just kind of runs the gamut of of who it appeals to. But but flavors, I mean, and, and the wide variety of flavors, I think, draws people in anything. I mean, look mm-hmm. how many you know sparkling water flavors there are out there. I mean, I think that's a big part of it is that, and so certain flavors are more, you know, accessible to people. Chai was one of those ones that at first we were like, I don't know, is this going to make a kombucha? Do people want a chai beverage that's kind of sour, you know, like, um, but it turns out they do. And, you know, obviously now that people are using chai and beer and stuff like that. So I think, I think that works. Um, we've used like hibiscus tea. Uh, one of our most popular flavors has hibiscus tea and cinnamon. So like using some of those like slightly more savory sort of flavors, I guess. I mean, as, uh, hibiscus wouldn't be, but, you know, things that incorporate more stuff with like cinnamon and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, she's got all sorts of crazy ideas that, you know, that I'm just like, well, but they always, you know, they always work, you know. We, don't have so time. we just don't have time <laughs> yeah, we for don't, all. We yeah. had to like edit it all down because I'm like, I want to make this and I want to make this flavor. And how about we try this? But once we decided to 
you know, make this into a business and market it to wholesale customers. Like we couldn't, I can't, ha- you can't so now, have a hundred yeah. flavors. Now that's what farmer's markets are for. We'll roll into farmer's market on the weekend, have some crazy flavors that we never usually do. And that, you know, that, that, that we can do that. And eventually, you know, we'd like to have our own, you know, our own space that we could, you know, sell a bunch of flavors. But I think that that's the fun part about it is that like, especially with us doing small batches, like we could try anything. And if it hits, then it's awesome. And it's not, it doesn't take us long to do that. And if we find a, a, something that's hot and people are like, oh, I'm really into that flavor right now. Hey, let's try it. We got, you know, go call T- Tim at T. Smith. And what do you, what do you have that it's this flavor profile? And, you know, we get, sometimes we get crazy suggestions that are like, whoa, that's never going to work. And then sometimes, you know, we get, we get some really good suggestions. So. But then if it doesn't, we're not really out. You know, we just <laughs> dump it in the trash. We just drink it. It's like <laughs> beer. It's like when you make bad beer, you know, like, oh, I'll still drink yeah, it. I mean, you know. We'll still try it. We'll still drink it. What's the craziest idea you have for an upcoming batch that you're not sure if it's going to work? I have a friend that wants Bloody Mary kombucha. Okay, so t- talk me through what yeah. what's your thought process then? I don't know. I don't know so my works. thought process is, to, you know, do our base kombucha, maybe throw a little secondary tomato, some pepper, some you know, some jalapeno in there, like yeah, a little celery, little celery, <laughs> maybe a little celery salt. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he wants it to to be a mixer instead of just tomato juice. He wants it to be that as his mixer yeah, for his alcohol. Mary. Interesting. Bloody Mary. We have a we have like a mojito mint that we just uh, we just made uh, recently. We did, um, which is you know basically what you think it was. We made it taste as much as like a mo- mojito as possible. Um, there cherry limeade. That's a, that's kind of one we we flirt with at, at farmers markets from from time to time. That's always a, that was a favorite like in our early days when we were like basically like you know bootlegging bottles, uh, you know, to friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was like one of the huge ones that that people really liked. Um, we've gotten crazy with like some peppers that that doesn't really like hot peppers. That can, yeah, that can okay. get that. Can that get was when we were small yeah. though, and we just went insane, <laughs> and it was like blow your face off. There was no way anybody could drink that. But we've done like watermelon goza style, so watermelon and pink sea salt. Yeah, and a lot of like uh, places where we're on tap are places that sell beer or mm-hmm. you know drinks. So then we like to try to mimic certain you know things that maybe beer lovers will like and uh, and like flavors and give people a non-alcoholic version of sort of that you know an option to do that. So that, that's kind of what it's kind of like where we lean for those those regular flavors for well, like crazier flavors from that like from at this point. But we normally just do um, you know we find a really good flavored tea and then we just turn it into a really good lightly flavored kombucha really. What's this one? So that's uh, the goji berry, gojira, as we call it. Like we, <laughs> we've had names for things because we would, you know, we started this in the basement. We always came up with crazy names. Gojira is that Godzilla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And I so had it's to a have goji it explained berry. to me because yeah. I didn't understand the <laughs> and, concept yeah. of it. And I guess when you know one half of your business doesn't understand it, it's time to just <laughs> explain it a little bit. Um, but. Yeah, and so I don't know. We found that like people are a little more receptive to just knowing the flavor instead of the cool names. But I, you know, I come from that you know beer brewing background that you know you you know you make something you want to give it some cool ass name. And sometimes we we name things and people call it different things. Like we have one that we call on purpose pineapple empress, and everybody orders pineapple express all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, I was, I was gonna ask about that. Is there any intersection of like marijuana and kombucha? Is that a thing? Now yeah, too? there's a there's a lot of people that are doing uh, CBD, CBD infusions. Yeah. yeah, 
for sure. We haven't dabbled in that yet, but because no, you know we don't legal. believe in a le- legal state. But um, I know a lot of people that are getting into that now, CBD kombucha, and then uh, I only imagine it's, it's just got to be a matter of time before some sort of THC kombucha at some point. Right, because there's already elevated alcohol kombucha. You can yeah, that so that way. is one thing. People are making kombucha beers. There's at least like three probably that I know of. Um, they're interesting. That's you know, and they get pretty strong, like seven eight percent. What kind of beer would that be? Closest to <laughs> sour, I guess. I yeah, know. but like really spoo- like a, but a really boozy tasting sour, you know, like it. That's kind of like like it. it, it, it like <laughs> what's funny is that kombucha for non-alcoholic beverage. When you make it alcoholic, it can, it can get really boozy, but it's really easy drinking. And next thing you know, you're like, "What? Well, I thought I was just drinking kombucha." <laughs> man. Well, and so you have a background in beer, right? Yep. So a little bit. A little bit. Well, you worked at Infusion? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay. I work at breweries. I may, you know, I used to make it on my stove. And yeah. <laughs> so, you, I mean, so you got like some experience then with sort of like, I'm going to figure out how to brew something. I can do it on my own, small batches. And then you sort of apply that to kombucha. Yeah. I assume. But, but really, it came from just the tradition of kombucha. Mm-hmm. Because kombucha, you can only ever make like a gallon. I mean, really, unless you're going to go crazy, you're making a gallon of it at a time at home, you know, in the old pickle jars or old mason jars. Um, and so the small batch came from just like just really learning about kombucha and seeing how like when we try to do it this, we can keep that taste. But when you try to get too big, oh, then you're running into all sorts of other issues. Um, and so we found that just by sticking small, that was more just akin to the kombucha structure than anything else you know a be, you know we were a brewery you, can, you can't live on making five gallon batches of beer right like there's if you're making one batch of one keg selling those you'd never get anywhere as a brewery i mean you're trying you know you <laughs> those taxes are too high you know um and so we, we like we do do it small so because of you know more so the tradition than than anything else um and we found that it works better that way and it's easy for us you know it's only two of us and we're not we don't have any money so <laughs> it's a, but but honestly it's re- it's really more about the principle of the thing than it is the fact that we you know we we could go bigger if we wanted to, but it kind of goes against just how we've always talked about our kombucha and just the sort of just the, the legend of it, you know, and the history. And it just kind of works better that way. When and I think when you find that, I mean, when you realize that you're actually dealing with something that's live, mm-hmm. I mean, we we find that we can use the same amount of tea, the same amount of sugar, the same amount of water, brewed at the same exact time with the same temperature, the same days can yield two different flavors just because of that that x that x element that live part that you can't control that mystic magic that you can't control yeah it's cool (laughs) is there like real mythology around why that would be different like if we really just embrace the mysticism element what 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 is it that's changing the flavor then what is the it's our chi yeah. Okay. It's, it's the it's the <laughs> amount of intention that you're putting in the bucket while you're stirring it, whether you stir it counterclockwise or clockwise. It's all about that intention. It yeah, absorbs it what's in the air, including just the energy. Just our energy. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay. not just the bacteria and yeah. the wild yeast. It's also the the, the energy. It's the love that we put in. It's whatever song we're listening to when we're brewing it. Like that affects it. Well, when did the idea of you guys making it and selling it and then actually forming a business come into the process here for you? Pretty quick after um, after we met and I gave him the SCOBY and I taught him how to do the brew. He's like, OK, he's like, I got it. I want you to try it. This sounds like I think I did it. I think it's good. 
And then we were just like friends that were just making it. And then, but pretty soon, like when you you realize is that like kombucha doesn't stop, you know, like so like if you're making kombucha, you have to like make it and then keep it going. Other, I mean, you don't have to, like but with if you the wanna, mother part of it, yeah, like so you want to keep, you know, so every time you make a batch of kombucha, you can keep you t- you take some of that that was made, and this is the traditional way. You take some of that that was made, and then you would use that for your next batch, and so you would you would continuously kind of brew that. Um, and so we we started doing that, and then pretty soon our, both of our basements were full filled with jars of kombucha, and um, we were like, well, well, we can't. I, like, it was already pat. Like, it finally got to a point where I couldn't drink at all. Like, I, I was trying my best to drink all of the kombucha, but it was, it was more than our friends were asking about it. And so we started giving it to our friends. It's kind of like anything like that, you know. Like, you, you get your friends involved, and they're like, oh, we want this, and then p- other people would hear it from them, and then we were getting orders from like all over the state, like people wanting just our, you know, like just our homemade kombucha. And that's and, just word of mouth. Yeah, and that was just word of mouth through friends and everything. And then eventually, it was like, well, all right. There's a point here where we're either going to have to call this a hobby or we're going to call this a business. And we just said, well, there's no one else doing it right now. Let's do it. And so we did it. And uh, yeah, and it's just been a, it's been a roller coaster since then. Yeah, because we had to teach the state of Nebraska <laughs> what kombucha was. I mean, like to get imagine, a license for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to okay. get a license. So imagine the call that he made on well, like for the first one there. to the to the Douglas County Health Department that said, "Hey, this is what I want to do." And they said, "You want to do what? You want to <laughs> feed people bacteria?" <laughs> And so then that was a different, (laughs) I'm paraphrasing a conversation. So that didn't go very well, but then, you know, just by contacting different people and other brewers and that were in different States and said, like, how did you start? And they said, well, we started with like the state, the actual state of Nebraska will give you a license if you meet these criteria. So, so we had to, we had to go through the UNL like food sciences lab and, and go through them. And then they, they actually, um, they've been really cool. Is they they developed a uh, like they didn't have all the equipment to do our alcohol testing, our ethanol testing. So they like sort of we've worked with them to sort of you know get that get, get that thing up and running. Um, and uh, and so we, we get a lot of our alcohol testing done there. We they can do uh, they did all our original testing to just sort of make sure that we. Uh, you know, our, our, we have a safe product and everything, but but we did have to kind of work together with it. I mean, think about it. Like, I mean, half the people in the didn't even know what kombucha was, and so uh, if you, all of a sudden you got to figure out if you can license it or not. And it turns out it's real simple, you know. So it, like in the end, there's not much to it. It's just people because of the mis- mystery around it. There's a lot of like false mis like bad mystery about it, or there's a lot of people worried about it, or this or that. But it's like it's, there's actually nothing to be worried about. According to the state of Nebraska, it's a uh, it's a uh, Non hazardous food product. Food product. <laughs> nice, yeah. So you you paved the way if anybody mm-hmm. else wants to bring kombucha into the state. Yeah, and actually, there's some people doing it um, out of Hastings. Uh, they have a brewery, but then they also have a little a, a second business that uh, that does that does kombucha, um, in, you know, in that part of the state as well. And uh, who knows? I mean, uh, uh, there's always people. You know, there's a ton of people brewing it. It's just you know, not a lot of people selling it. That's sure. All. There's a lot of hoops to jump through to do that. I mean. Do, is there something you talked about sort of like the bad mystery around it is there people fighting against kombucha in certain places in terms of like it's harder to sell it they don't want to make it legal or what, I mean, what, what does it manifest like I think a big part of that is um, the perceived chance of it of alcohol of getting and drunk so, from it accidentally well, it's not even or? that it's more you know the like government minors? wants the taxes oh, like, I mean, okay. so if you're I mean you know nobody's getting drunk and even a, even a one and a half percent beverage right but if you're over one half of one percent so if you're over 0.5 you're you know you gotta treat yourself like you're making beer alcohol 
And so, like, even, no matter what, I mean, jo- orange juice that sits on the counter is going to get to one, 1% alcohol, which is so, it's, just, it's a dumb law. So what's, what's happening is we, you know, we have a lobby. We're part of, you know, we have a, we have a trade group. Um, there's enough kombucha happening out there that there's a, we have a big trade group that's lobbying to get those laws changed because it's, it's just, it doesn't make any sense, you know, to sell a non-alcoholic beverage, something that's not going to inebriate you and then have to pay the same amount of money that an alcohol, you know, has to do. It's kind of like, you know, you know, the difference between CBD and THC, you know, like there's one of those things, she would probably be taxed a little bit higher than the other one, you know. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I think it's it, that's where you run into a lot of it. You also just run into people not knowing what it is. Like with anything, if people don't know what it is, ah, no, we probably shouldn't be allowing that, you know. And it turns out that really, when all the scientific proof is that it's pretty safe and it might actually be good for you. So let's talk about that for a second. So, what what are the health benefits, uh, whether they're just myth- mythical or whether they're real or whatever? Um, a lot of it is similar to any other kind of fermented foods, like why the, you know it's good for your gut. That's what a lot of people say. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. So, like you know, sauerkraut, kimchi, and stuff like that. So you get a lot of that same sort of beneficial stuff. But, um, you know, they think that they don't, they're not sure how high the probiotic count is. You'll hear about kombucha being a probiotic beverage. No one's sure how high that, you know, but that's like taking pills. No one's sure if that those pills probiotics are doing anything for you. If you're, how many probiotics are in your, your, your yogurt or whatever, and, and do they still react? I mean, the science is still kind of out. I mean, all that gut science is kind of developing by the day. I hate how it's like I'll, I'll buy probiotic pills. And then I'll read some article. It's like actually probiotics are terrible for you. And then you're like, I don't know, I don't know what to yeah, believe. Which I mean, one? and a lot of that is with all of these health claims. So I've read everything from kombucha, like you know, helps with constipation to kombucha cures AIDS. That's a pretty wide uh, yeah, spectrum there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. There's yeah. A, uh, there's not a lot of proof that it cured AIDS. I don't think out there. They probably haven't um, tested it that much. I think though. some people have pooped a lot after kombucha, so that <laughs> might have worked for them. Um, but like, I, I there's you know, they, but they say there's. Like the only testing that's been done on it has not been done on humans or placebo controlled studies. They've been done on rats and cells. So there's certain aspects that certain enzymes in kombucha do things um, that are beneficial uh, to keeping cancer away and doing things that are beneficial to detoxifying your liver. There's there's like little anecdotal and plus, well, that's not even anecdotal. Those are some actual scientific studies. But then there's a billion anecdotal cases that it's helped people, you know, with everything. I mean, it's like the celery juice craze right now. It, it cures everything, apparently. You know what it reminds some me people of think kombucha like does, too. My mom freaks out. She always says, uh, drink apple cider vinegar, and that'll yeah, cure Yeah, same sort everything. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd much rather drink kombucha. I yeah. think it, 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 it's, it's a lot, a lot easier to get down. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot tastier. <laughs> but yeah, it's the same sort of thing. You know, I don't... It, who knows? But if it works for you, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, there's got to be a big chunk of placebo effect involved in all this stuff, too, but also actual science about fermented foods. So, I mean, it's you, you kind of I think it's a it's sort of a yin yang. I don't know. So it's got that mystical aspect, but there are some actual reasons why it could be good for you. A lot of those stemming from the fact that it's made from tea. Yeah, really. A lot of that stuff. A tea and then the act of fermentation. So fermentation has benefits and then all of the amazing things that are found in tea, um, you know, that, that helps you. So why not? It's a better soda alternative. It's a better alternative than alcohol, you know? Um, and so, but you can mix it with both your beer and whatever too. <laughs> when you, when you're not uh, too worried about your health, yeah, uh, yeah. specifically you're just looking for it to taste good. That's yeah, fine. Cocktail. Well, I mean, would you, would you guys say that you've received any notable health benefits from drinking kombucha or kombucha, excuse me, as much as you do? Yeah, I think so. Um, I haven't, drank soda probably for the last eight years that I have been brewing it because it does give you that I don't know maybe it is a placebo it gives you that fizzy taste it does give you a little bit of sweetness on there too 
and you know if it makes you feel healthier while you're drinking it then the chances are that you're going to make better choices during the day that you're going to keep that because you like the way that that makes you feel yeah so it's you know it's just like with everything it's part of the puzzle but i think it like it, it can change your taste when you start to drink more like this sort of like fermented sour sort of taste like you're you're not you don't crave that sweet at least that's what i found from personal use i also like have barely gotten sick since i started drinking kombucha and i'm sure that like it said that that you know it's because that has steamrolled into making other healthy choices as well so i can't tell you if it's the kombucha or not but i drink a ton of it and i don't get sick so <laughs> well <laughs> well so is there like a big kombucha cor- corporate version of it uh, that you guys kind of have to bump up against at all or is it pretty much small operations around the country around the world i mean there's a giant there's a giant conglomerate that's been around for ages and that's gt kombucha and they've been in health food stores since the mid 90s but that's just sort of a mom that's like that was like the first mom pop business gone good Mm -hmm. like gone big Uh, they're international yeah and then there was a few other ones but a lot like some of them and this is where i would warn all kombucha consumers some of them are owned by coke and pepsi now and uh they've been changed and they have different things and there's a lot of stuff out there that people call kombucha that's not technically kombucha it's a whole other can of of worms well i don't know because there's really no like there's no like industry standard of what kombucha actually is um i think people use the name when they don't necessarily aren't making kombucha, people make, uh, they'll pasteurize the beverage and then they'll add probiotics in that isn't really the natural, you know, it's not the natural response to the the fermentation. So you're adding things that aren't necessarily always in kombucha. Um, A lot of them are just fizzy probiotic beverages that aren't technically kombucha. Um, But, you know, you could get somebody else in here, they'll they'll say, no, that's just as much kombucha. And some people, you know, but we have, the thing is, a lot of that stuff has to do with the fact that we have to jump through so many hoops to make sure that we're under that absurd alcohol level of on one half of one percent so a lot of people and this is why because when you work on a larger scale it's a lot harder uh, like when you're trying to make a ton of it and you're sending it in bottles all over the country there's a lot of there's a lot of you know things that could happen along that way that all of a sudden that uh, sorry, that one half one percent or below beverage has become like a one percent beverage which isn't going to hurt anybody but according to the law that's uh, so a lot of um companies have had to take drastic measures to make sure that they don't reach that threshold and a lot of that is bottling and that's you know that's another reason why we stay small it's a lot easier to keep those critical control points along the way when you stay small and i'm not you know more power to people that want to do it big i hope you can do it and good luck and do whatever you need to do but it's a lot of headache for me i don't know but i think every state in the united states right now with maybe just a couple exceptions, yeah, have their own kombucha local kombucha brewery. Yeah. And they're doing great. Um, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, Iowa, they're doing they're doing phenomenal and they're everybody's doing it different. They're ways doing it differently. They're using different teas. They're using different fruits. They're distributing different ways. Their marketing's different. Like and it's all working. And that's the cool thing yeah. is that it's all working for everyone. And we like, kinda help each other with with you know problems that we have so we don't see a lot of competition out of it from other from the other brewers yeah as far as like you know no there's no big company like oh you better not be selling your kombucha in this town you know like you know no that's us we got here first stay away um, and there's no big companies <laughs> knocking on our door trying to buy us out either yeah yeah but they, that, that is happening i mean i would say there's just like with beer breweries uh, there's everything from the smallest to the biggest and then some are being bought up by other big ones 
um, and bigger companies that aren't necessarily kombucha. They're companies, they're beverage companies. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if beer companies start releasing kombucha pretty soon. You know, I'm sure they'll buy out a couple. Um, and, and so that's happening. But I would say the majority, like there's, it's, it's majority just really small businesses doing it on some the scale of what we're doing, but some the scale of, you know, like, you know, one of the, our breweries in town here, you know, like they're actually taking it that route, uh, like a beer brew. And a lot of a lot of people that we found out that are into kombucha got through it. In, you know, they were into beer first, usually. And so a lot of them are based in, you know, been using those models of, of a beer brewery just with kombucha and um, to, you know, various degrees of success. But, you know, I, I wish them all the luck. And, I, you know, we just have our way of doing it, which just works for us. And it's kind of our philosophy about it. And it works for Omaha, you know. I mean, that's, we're, we're not trying to. We're not trying to conquer the world. We just want to sell Omaha some uh, a, a beverage that we think is amazing. That's all. Well, d- do you think that the widespread popularity or the growing popularity could lead to a change in the alcohol percentage laws? Yeah, I mean, that, a lot of the lobbying is for that. We just want, I mean, just something more sensible than one half of one percent. I mean, if you can get orange juice to be more alcoholic than you know k- kombucha, we shouldn't have to like you know follow that rule you know and because that lobby group is international there are different laws in different countries so yeah a lot of countries so a lot of countries it's 1.2 percent um that is their non-alcoholic so we actually just want something that's cohesive across the board that if this is what you brew this is the standard this is what it can be yeah, I mean, it, this just makes sense. Like, you know, people, the government's always talking about encouraging small business. That's what they do on the campaign trail, at least. Um, they they should try to encourage small business and actually, like, take away some of those restrictions. If you're going to take restrictions off of, like, huge companies, why not take some restrictions off of people just trying to make kombucha? We're not trying to get anybody drunk, you know? Like, <laughs> we're just trying to make kombucha in a sensible way that, you know, we don't have to, like, pay billions of dollars. And, you know, like, there's ways. <laughs> there's, like, these big kombucha conferences, and they have these companies that come in. We're going to sell you this this big piece of technology, which will spin all the, make sure all the ethanol is out of your kombucha. And then, you know, it only costs you like $2 million, <laughs> two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. That, that helps us out. That, that just seems like it only makes people that have a lot of money able to make kombucha. And that just goes against kombucha in general. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a kombucha soapbox right now. <laughs> well, that's, that's what this hour is. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you, uh, have you had any contact with any of the like local lawmakers about changing Nebraska standards for any of this? Not yet. Just because like we kind of had a lot of like, just just kind of um, explaining who, what we were doing and now at this point we're just trying to get the business going and and that is something that I would like to um, I think you know uh, I think that's probably the next step is just kind of, kind of locally seeing if we can do it in Nebraska I was, you know and th- the more you know people that are you know drinking kombucha in Nebraska um, I mean it's at high V I mean high V makes their own kombucha now I mean sure they're not making it but they put their name on it um, and like so like it's just starting to pop up everywhere. So it's only a matter of time before people realize, okay, this isn't a dangerous, mysterious beverage. This is actually a better alternative to like half the other stuff I could drink. And maybe we shouldn't like handcuff these people, you know, by these archaic, you know, regulations, you know. Yeah, if you have to explain to them what it is, maybe they shouldn't assume they're experts on it. Sure, yeah. And maybe it shouldn't just be characterized with things that, you know, I'd rather be characterized like a fermented food or, you know, a hot sauce or something like that than an elk. You know, we're like closer to some of those things than we are in a beer. Is hot sauce fermented? Some Some of of it, it, yeah. Really? I did not know that. Okay. I'm learning all kinds of things today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, so you make fish eye kombucha. Where does the title or the name come from, fish eye? Um, Were you going by fish at that point? Yeah, so I've been going by fish for quite some time now. Um, Where'd that come from? Uh, that's a long story. I'm, I, but, I got all day. Yeah, it's a. It was. A, I mean, it was a variety of things. The easiest thing to say is that it, I, I used to work in radio, and it was my old radio name. And it 
stuck, and then people started calling me. What kind of radio were you doing? Um, everything. But uh, I started off in just college radio. Then went to rock radio. You should be you should be running the board here, not me. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm more the talent. You could run the board if you want. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, and so, uh, between that and like, uh, just, you know, just like two friends hanging out, like drinking beers, talking about this fake business we might have or whatever, you know, and we were just tossing around names. And I remember like, uh, one of the things I, r- I know, remembered about her before I knew her name was like, I was like, oh, you know, she had these big eyes, man, that girl with the eyes. And I, yeah, that's what I put her on my, in my phone as or whatever. And then we were talking one day and I think I told her that, I said, well, we just call fish eyes or whatever. And we're like, no, just make it one eye. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just one of those conversations. Oh, that's cool. And then we're both like really into cool mystical stuff and like Egyptian stuff. And like we came up with the idea of using that, uh, the eye as eye of Horus. And then, um, in which is like, you know, you know about the eye of Ra and it's like the sun God and it's like the more the Horus is a little bit more of the moon God. Um, and then we took the eye of Horus and I was just messing around, drawing stuff. And I, w- I was like, well, I looked at a picture, you know, the Nebraska state fish, the channel catfish. So we, we put the eye, eye of Horus inside the channel catfish, basically. And then that little fin on the top was, was supposed to, I used to have a mohawk and I, I did that. And it was just like a dumb, it was just like a cool thing. I'm like, look at this, this is cool. And then I was like, well, you know what? This actually is, looks, looks pretty cool. And Doing a little more research as far as like the Egyptian lore and the eye of Horus and stuff like that, we found out, um, you know, like you said, the the eye is the right side and that's the sun side. The Horus is the left side and that's the moon side. So there's that. And then even more like Horus was a god of the stomach and spleen and kidneys, which if you believe the Internet, that's what kombucha is for, is for your stomach and your kidneys and all those oh, and if you, you want to, yeah. And so we just kept finding, like uncovering things like that. Yeah, this would work for that reason. This would work for that reason. Um, and then um, like they, so, you know, all our stuff is green. It was based on like the, the amulets that they used to make uh, out of Malachite for, um, for the God of Hor- uh, God Horus. And then they would like the, this, the legend of Horus is really crazy. And there's parts where like, you know, like he, I don't know, it's crazy stuff, but he like, he got like, chopped apart and like his penis was fed to the fish and and the fish like ate him and then like but they i don't know somehow there's a whole crazy story that i just i haven't read in a little while but it's something like that it's just you know he came back to health and he was i don't know he's really cool though horus you know if you actually exist you know we're we're on your side buddy (laughs) um but uh yeah and then just like kind of getting into like just the whole mystical aspect of kombucha and everything and then um one of the first actually flavors that we ever had was made with this blueberry white tea and uh, actually the tea smith makes this amazing mix just for us to use for that um but they uh so thank you very much but they um it was co- we called the blueberry moon um a because it was actually uh, it was it was made uh on the night where we had a blue moon we uh, we like to time our stuff with full moons and stuff occasionally you, you <laughs> totally embrace the mysticism at least, yeah, i feel like you're kind of hesitant yeah but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah but um because i'm you know <laughs> Doesn't go over well, <laughs> um, but uh, basically, um, where was I going with? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But also, I, I was I was thinking about it like, you know, my first exposure to like craft beer was Blue Moon, you know. And so in a way, it was a little bit of an homage to that. Like, it, like it's this is going to be the gateway. Like we were like this, people will like this, and this doesn't taste like other kombucha. And like this could be a gateway. And, and like so, it was kind of like that's where that first name it just came from. That um, like thinking that this could be pe- like a gateway to people like drinking kombucha and we found that we have been a lot of people have never had kombucha and they drink ours or they're like oh i don't like kombucha and i'm like oh yeah have you had this and they're like oh i didn't know that's what kombucha tastes like or whatever and ironically when it brews it actually brews blue um and that's what's really funny about it is that um 
Yeah, blue bruised blue and ends up it red. It turns yeah. up yeah, it turns out kind of blue and kind of purpley when mm-hmm. you drink it. So you know that that's what you have. You know you have the blueberry moon <laughs> and you drink that one. This is crazy. So you just handed me this comparison <laughs> between Horace and Jesus. Yeah. You should I summarize a little bit day. of this. Yeah. Well, no, I just I found <laughs> this the other because it was Easter. Yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, this is like the whole Easter story. And that's kind of where he was going with it. Um, you know, that Horace was born of a virgin and he had 12 disciples and um he he raised people from the dead and then he actually you know was recreated himself so it's 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 i'm not saying that horus is jesus or jesus is horus or anything like that but it was just kind of that funny parallel that he was going with with the whole crazy mysticism yeah, there's a story lot of, there's a lot of stories about him and a lot of it was like yeah like he had you know there were things that were related to him that were related to health and related to like uh just like yeah i don't know it's, and it just kind of, kind of got away from us, and then next thing you know, it was a business. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a logo, and we paid a lady to yeah. do the artwork, <laughs> and then we're like, well, we're in now. <laughs> We've got this PDF file that she sent us that we paid for, and yep. now we have to put it on everything we own. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's kind of its own scary moment, right, when you're like, all right, are we going to do this? We're going to do this? We're gonna do this? Uh, okay, fine, it's happening, it's happening. Well, I actually, I think we had the logo before we had anything. Uh, <laughs> Because like it just like like you said, it just kind of got away from us. And we just started you know, doodling and things cards. like that. You need business cards <laughs> when you don't have a business. This is Ben's yet. approach to everything. I, I pitch <laughs> him any <laughs> random idea, and he's like, "Here's five posters." Right. So when you have a friend who, I mean, he just kind of sent an image and was like, "Hey," to his one of his friends that's a graphic designer, is like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And she sent some stuff back, and they talked, and I looked at it, and I was like, "No, that I, yeah. <laughs> Boom, we had it. We had that was the cheapest part of our business, I think. But it got real real like when we applied for the llc you know and you have to go through the stuff and you got to put an ad in the pay you know you got to go through all that official stuff and you yeah, know, that they, whole they, taxes and, thing. and they're all like you know you got to use a lawyer to do all this and we drafted all our stuff what do you even need a lawyer to do any of this we didn't do this and then uh, and then like uh, you know it's, it's just paperwork and then you know you send stuff anyway and then it's like oh okay and, and then you get have, that you get that thing from the secretary of the state that says hey give us money you want to be a business so yeah. we gave them money and um and then we had, so we had to have all of that set yeah, up scary. before, <laughs> before the university would really talk to us. They're like, okay, are, you got all your business license. You've got this, you've got your EIN number, you've got your product, you've filled all this stuff out. And, and then it was just waiting to get clearance letter. from them, but which was end up really being really simple. Like, I mean, um, you know, a lot of people um, don't know about kombucha, but there's enough people that do. And some quick you know, research shows that. It, but really, I mean, they just they test pH, test a couple of things and they realize it's a non has, you know, it's a non hazardous food item. So it's not even something that they're really too concerned about as long as we maintain the stuff we have to do. Um, and so it becomes it, you know, became really easy once we knew once we got the once we talked to the right people and got got through the jump through the right hoops. Um, you know, it, it got a little less scary. And it was just like about, all right, now we got to now we got to, you know, actually make it. Let's do it. Well, then we had to get a ki- we got a kitchen. Yeah. And that's yeah, all been certified get, yeah, and all of that. Brew and everything. And, uh, and they don't so let you brew it in your basement. So you've if you got a sell kitchen. It. What does that mean? Like uh, we, um, we, you we just found a, commercial a rented space, yeah. space, a rented commercial kitchen space that yeah. you that's that the state can come in and, you know, verify and is that like it used to be part of a restaurant or like how do you find a kitchen you can use yeah commercial? i mean there's okay. there's there's a variety of like ways to do that but our place did used to be a restaurant it was a it was an old hardware cafe out in port calhoun oh, okay and um it hadn't been that for a while but there was a small granola company big green tomato that was in there and uh, a guy uh, norm who makes uh, these amazing pork rinds and so those two businesses were in there already and they had some extra kitchen space that a caterer was using um, we just kind of stumbled upon it just uh, randomly um, through you know 
know, someone she knew on Facebook. And next thing you know, we're driving up to Fort Calhoun, checking it out. It was the right price, right spot for us. Real bare, you know, it wasn't much to look at or anything. Um, but that took us until just recently when we moved to a new space that was uh, made for us. But the same three of us there in Fort Calhoun. And it's a cool little, I mean, really cool area right there with not only our, us three in that building, which, you know, we're a production facility. There's nothing to go see, really. Like, we can't go, it's not a retail space or anything. But um, You should hire Ben to give tours. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, um, you know, you've got that, there's that pork place. What's that place? That, that uh, Cure, what is that? What's it called? Uh, it's called Cure, yeah, up there in Fort and Calhoun. And too far north. It's a cool, like, little area. Right yeah, there. if you, yeah, just drive, like, what's it, nine miles north of the city. It's it's cute little town, and they've been really good to us. They've been really welcoming. And, um, you know, our friends at the Big Green Tomato, you know, accommodated anything we really needed as far as, like, our space and our brewing and the necessities that we needed. So it's been, yeah, it was like, it was a good sense of just newfound community that kind of brought us there. And then it was kind of, I mean, the whole reason I even started, I want, I mean, at least me personally, I wanted to start a business because I wanted to be able to like be more a part. I mean, I was always wanting community, but it seems like a lot of times people don't take you seriously unless you're a small business owner or whatever, you know? So I wanted to have another, you know, thing in my hat that I could be like, all right, so this is another way for me to affect change in a community by becoming more of a becoming a business in the community and then we found like uh, the Gifford Park Market uh, on Friday nights and that was our first like market that welcomed us into them like farmers market and we fell in love with that place and that market's amazing if you've never been to the Gifford Park Friday night market it's like starts the last Friday in May and it goes through like September um, but it's awesome it's just every Friday it's a lot of cool smaller just local businesses um, and then uh, yeah through that you know we did a couple we've done some exarban farmers markets and uh and we're on tap. Um, you can get us just about. I mean, almost every part of Omaha, we got we got some place. Um, and uh, so Vitality Bowls and Exarban. Can I just plug them here? Oh Vitality, yeah, go, yeah Vitali- plug everything. Vitali- we're, we're never find Vitality it. Bowls and Exarban. Vitality Bowls out in Legacy. You can get usually two flavors at each of those places. Uh, Infusion in Benson. Um, they usually have two flavors on. Uh, Noli's Pizza in Blackstone. It's my favorite pizza place, and I'll like, at least get to go drink my kombucha there too. Um, and uh, let's see, where else are we? We're uh, at Modern Love. Modern Love. In their yeah, new the location. Modern Love. We're there. And then, uh, so they have like peach. They were rocking our hibiscus with cinnamon for a long time. They, so they make cocktails. They always make a special cocktail out of it. Um, so you can check it out in a cocktail form at Modern Love. And then the Tea Smith, where we get our tea from, they also mm-hmm. sell two of our flavors. We're also out at the Growler USA as well. Yeah. And that was, a, Maple, that was yeah. a great. That was like our, that was one our, our first s- ones. Yeah. yeah. Because they have so many taps, but they wanted, you know, with part of their business model as far as their franchise is to have non-alcoholic options. Um, yeah, so that worked out well. And people are, people are liking it there, yeah. So I think we and have and a and lot we of got, and we got more on the way, but we're just we've always wanted to just roll organically. I mean, like we said, it's just two of us, you know, working other st- we're doing other stuff. So um, we're just letting it kind of happen. Um, but it's been great. People have been coming to us for it, and it's it's awesome, and we, we totally appreciate it. And we, 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 we bigger and better things definitely down down the road, hopefully. Yeah. Well, then uh, they can follow you guys, Fisheye Kombucha, on all social media. I yep, assume. Yep. Yep. All right. Facebook, uh, Twitter, which doesn't get used as much anymore, but Instagram. Yep. Nice. Well, thank you guys yeah, so we much. Have a, we hopefully have a website maybe pretty soon. Do you, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've heard a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. We own the domain for the last three years, so we probably <laughs> should do something with it. I think that was our second purchase was that, well, was gotta, that a do domain that name. <laughs> you get on the social media accounts before you can even pick a name. Really. <laughs> no, I can't get that one. I guess there goes that name. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks guys. for having thanks. us. Thank you. <laughs> 
Riverside Chats is hosted by me, Tom Noblock. I produce the show along with Ben Matukowicz through our company, Exarbon Creative. We are housed out of Benson First Friday Pet Shop in Benson. So please feel free to follow us on social media. That always helps. Please give us a review on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And there's also one other way that we would really hope that you would help support the show, which is we've started a Patreon for all Exarbon Creative adventures that we go on that you you know that we that we have to pay for generally. You can help us continue to do this, like continue this show. If you value what we're doing, if you value the kinds of projects we do for community for our community, you can chip in a little bit. And uh, you don't have to chip in much. If you chip in a dollar a month, we'd be extremely grateful. Obviously, whatever you're able to do. Whatever you feel it's worth to you, any number that you are okay with is something we would love to have some support from. There are also a number of cool prizes you can get for it. So if you if that's something that interests you at all, we are extremely grateful for the fact that both you're listening and that you might be willing to chip in a little bit to help us keep doing this show. It's not free, uh, but you can help us a lot. So you can do that by going to patreon.com slash creative. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great interview from another great local person.